Today is a great day, and we are excited to have some phenomenal guests here with us. We are talking to the wonderful couple, the Garcias, Iris, and Edmund, and they're going to share with us their love story and their story of what it's like to share differences and their relationship with Christ as their common link, but most of all, understanding the importance of diversity in marriage. So thank you, Iris and Edmund, for being here with us. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. We really appreciate you guys just spending some time with us and hanging out with us. And we know through all everything everybody's going on and what they're doing, you know, it seems like everybody's at home anyway, but we know we appreciate you guys taking the time to hang out with us. Anytime. So one of the things we always like to start out our show with is, you know, everybody has a unique love story. You know, we can talk about some of the things that we have talked about offline, some of the other projects and things that you guys have been doing. But but first, let's get our guests to kind of get a feel for the Garcias. And they always love stories, y'all. So why don't you guys tell us a little bit about your love story? Well, um, we, uh, Edmund and Iris Garcia, thank you for inviting us onto the show. My wife and I have been married for 14 years, um, going on a couple of weeks from now, uh, June 23rd, right. 14 years. And we are here in Houston, Texas, which we proudly represent, but we did not meet here. We met in Virginia mm-hmm. at a workplace. And uh, it was just, uh, I, I don't want to say it was love at first sight. Um, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> well, I, I don't mind saying it. Um, it was. I believe it was more so. Just to be quite honest, with you, it was less. Oh, who noticed who first? <laughs> huh? Who noticed who first? Oh, I did. It was because it was because I had a great friend who, God rest his soul, he passed away a couple of years ago. Oh, sorry to hear and that. And I was known as the the fresh face in the building that everyone liked to see in. Um, one day me and my friend were having a discussion and he said, man, you think you're some, some kind of playboy, don't you? Uh-oh, uh-oh. And I laughed. Chick magnet. I, I said, man, I, I just got game. Uh-oh. And, and he said, I know there's one girl on the third floor that will shut your game down. <laughs> I said, you name it. And uh, he said it was Iris, Iris Young at the time. Mm-hmm. And I went up to the third floor. I was a security guard, so I had access to the whole building. And I see this beautiful creation there. And <laughs> I try, I have to tell you, I have to be honest with you. It was not easy for me. For two weeks, I was shut down. You know, I tried everything to try to get her attention, to get her to engage in a conversation and shut down city. And uh, <laughs> what, what was it, Iris? Why did you shut him down like that? You know, I would, and to be honest with you, I was so, I was preoccupied. I was, I had a lot going on. And, you know, I was, you know, I had just came out of a, oh, I was actually trying to get out of a um, really bad relationship. And the last thing on my mind was another man, Mm. quite honest with you. So Evan was very good looking and, um, you know, and he just, you know, he, he was, he was a good looking guy, but I just was, you know, when a woman's mind is so preoccupied, we tend to miss things that could be placed right in front of us because we're, we're just, our thoughts are gone. And so he, he did. And I will say, I have a different side to share to that. Uh Tell your side of the story, (laughs) girl. 
to my desk every day and I'm like, what do you, what does this man want? You know, <laughs> you know I'm trying to do my work. And uh, I remember one day he came over and he might, he had to have dumped half of the cologne on his <laughs> neck before he, <laughs> before he got to my desk. But I, I will say this, it, it did get my attention. I was like, I'm like, what is that smell? What that? What is that you have on? So I actually turned around and I looked at him, and he just was like, "Oh, you know, that's you know, uh, I think it was juke." Yeah. Oh, so it was a oh, nice. Man. It was a nice yeah. smell. It wasn't like overpowering to you. It wasn't overpowering, okay. but you could tell it was more than what the normal person would should put on. <laughs> so it really it, it jumped it jumped on top of me. <laughs> so he, uh, you know, and that just sparked up a conversation from that point. Was that intentional, Edmund? That, Oh, yes. It was very oh, intentional. Everything that I did trying to get her attention was it was very intentional. And uh, okay. it was it, it, I was getting ready to give up. I'm not even going to lie to you guys. I was getting ready to give up. And I had some law books in my hand. And that's when she realized that I was not just looks, but I actually had a brain. Oh, <laughs> and uh, it led to lunch later on that day. It was everything else just seemed to have fallen in place from there there on out. And we became very good friends. And uh, after we became friends, um, I moved down to Houston and she shortly came behind and we ended up getting married a couple of years later. Yeah. And I, and I, and I'll say it is a shorter version. There's a longer version to that. That's okay. We got time. We, we, we give us the details. Tell us the story. Tell us the story. <laughs> you know, you know uh, so I'll be honest with you guys. And one thing I was always ashamed of um, was that, you know, I had married my high school heart. This was prior to Edmund. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I married him and we, you know, it was a really bad divorce. And um, mm-hmm. I lived overseas and I had came back home. I was really broken. I was depressed. You know, my mom took me back in, you know, and I was going through a lot, but I ended up bouncing back from that and ended up getting back on my feet again and finding myself back into a place where I could, you know, support my, myself with my income. And I had a daughter at the time, my eldest, Kyra. After that, I, I went through a couple of other bad relationships. So I just had a lot going on. Right. And so, oddly enough, when I met Edmund, we were really, we just had a really great friendship. So we, we just became great friends. Right. And uh, we both were actually studying law at the time. Mm-hmm. So that's really what attracted me as well, too, was that he had, you know, a good head on his shoulders and he was looking to do with his life and educating himself. Right. Uh, but there's a twist in there because when I, while I was friends, just friends with them, and we weren't actually dating at the time. We were just really right. friends. We all hung really out together. <laughs> I ended up meeting actually another gentleman while I was friends with Edmund. Crazy behind myself, went out eloped with this guy okay and I, I this is first ever i've never shared this with anyone wow but we ended up eloping. yeah we ended up eloping and i remember coming to work like that next day and edmund was like you look different and i looked at him like well what are you talking about he's like you just look different and i ended up telling him no i, I no i actually said yeah. you act like you got you went off and got married or something and she her eyes got so big wow yeah and she said how did you know and i said are you serious this iris you never even mentioned to me or any of the because we we had a really good uh like she said we had a really good friendship but we also had two other friends that we were all close knit we were like very uh, a very tight mind. Mm-hmm. And she never mentioned to any of us that she was even dating anybody. Right. And so I, I didn't feel like it was ever going. I, I felt that the act alone 
was something that was impulsive. Mm-hmm. And I shared that with her at the time. I said that it this was. was very impulsive. No one knew that you were even dating anyone. You never mentioned another guy on the scene. And so I think this this was, this was rushed. It was. Mm-hmm. It was very rushed. So, so you guys were just yeah. dating during that time, or you know, you were just friends when we you friends. when you okay. So you were kind of talking to her from a friendship standpoint, not a a, a relational standpoint as far as right. boyfriend girlfriend. Yeah, even though there was chemistry there and, uh, you know, he did like me and, and as well through our friendship, I began to really like him as well, too. I again, I was so preoccupied doing all these other things on the side. You know, I couldn't fully invest in you know, just focusing on, you know, what that spark was there between him and I outside of our friendship. So, you know, when he observed that he recognized something different, I had to tell him, you know, it's like, oh, my God. Okay, yeah, I went I, I eloped. And it was the one of the worst decisions I've ever made. <laughs> and uh, it it didn't last but for three months. You know, I hurried up and got I got myself out of that relationship. Uh, Evan and I were still friends, though, during that time. Mm-hmm. And I believe he met the gentleman and they didn't get along too well. So but we'll go <laughs> through that. But he, it just, you know, it was just a really, it was a crazy decision. I mean, and, but to look at all of that and here we are. It, it, it was, it was definitely something that through our friendship relationship through a loop. And I remember when we, I moved down to back to Houston, down to Houston, uh, came here to meet up with my parents who were from New Orleans uh, and were victims of Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. So I moved initially to Houston to come help my parents out. And I was, I began to date ours and I realized, I, you know, I really wanted to be with her. Mm-hmm. You know, but coming from a, I, I am Hispanic and I look nothing like an Hispanic to most people. Right. Um, and but I came from a traditional Hispanic home. And so I bought my, I bought Iris down to Houston to come visit my parents, but I did not share with my parents that she had been previously married, oh, yeah. you know, and because of the fact that if I would have shared that with my parents, they would have banned me wow. from wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and I am not one of those children um, coming from a traditional Hispanic uh, family that I would I would have never disobeyed my parents. Mm-hmm. So I did not t- share that. I purposely did not share that with them, and I received their blessing. You know, even and so to this day, I say the blessing was manipulated. I manipulated my parents so that I can get what I wanted mm-hmm. Wow! on there. And so I shared this. This is something that we have shared plenty of times with some of our uh, close friends and church members, because we want people to learn from our mistakes. We don't want people to, uh, to think that Iris and I had, uh, how can I put this? A storybook. Storybook marriage oh from the very beginning man. because it was far from the storybook far marriage. We endured a, our first two years was hell on wow. earth. You know, we we literally, you know, we literally could not. I didn't think we were going to make it. We couldn't stand each other after we got married. <laughs> wow! And um, we had to come to a conclusion that we did not get married on the foundation of God. Mm. So we had to admit to each other mm. that our motives for getting married were ungodly motives. Mm. 
And we had to tear that foundation up in order to build a new one, which is what we we have now. You, you know, Iris, you said something at the beginning when you were still kind of wasn't even looking for a man, thinking about a man. You just noticed him. But yet then you went ahead and eloped. You know, could you speak to that about what was going through your mind where you weren't focused on that, but then you decided to make a, a like you just said, a, an impulsive decision. Can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah. You know, when I um, I grew up, um, both Evan and I grew up in we're PK kids. Oh. And, and um, excuse me. And so because of that, I found myself as a younger adult straying away from God and being extremely rebellious in a lot of my um, relationships and actions in my, my personal life. And believe it or not, at the time, you know, I was I had just and believe it or not, I had just gotten out of another relationship, met this gentleman um, prior to uh, as I'm friends with Edmund, met this gentleman and just eloped with him. I believe I was broken at that time. Mm. I was getting over a really bad relationship and I was looking for something to fill in that gap, even though I wasn't expecting it to be Edmund. I was so preoccupied with whatever gap I was trying to fill in. So when I met that gentleman, he filled in that gap for the moment. But just because it's something that we want doesn't necessarily mean it's it means it's something that we need. And I found that out as I began to pursue my relationship with him. And I realized, oh, my God, Iris, what have you gotten yourself into? This is a mess. And it was a very uh, it was a relationship that was very uh, verbally abusive, uh, physically abusive. I had never grown up. In a, an abusive home, but the first time I had an altercation with this gentleman, I realized I needed to get out of this. And it wasn't him hitting me. It was both of us hitting on each other. I remember one time we pulled over on the side of the highway and we got into it. So that's when I was like, this is, I got to get out of this. So I realized I made a really bad decision, but I did it because I was trying to fill in a gap that was recently filled with a seven-year relationship. And it was so impulsive. I didn't think about it at all. And it was completely rebellious. And I just was a broken woman at that time, uh, trying to fill in a lot of voids in my life that um, really I just ultimately needed Jesus to fill. But at the time I was so far away from him. So that was not the first thing on my mind at all. And then I meet Edmund and I cultivate this amazing friendship with him. But I didn't want to hurt him because I knew all of this stuff I was still in the middle of and I was dealing with. I didn't want to hurt him because we had actually established a genuine, sincere friendship. And I didn't want to hurt my friend with that at the time. You know, I, I guess I, I'm listening to your story and it is so um, I appreciate you all being so transparent. We always say hot, honest, open and transparent as a and I'm going to ask this question as a mother. Um, did you ever talk to your parents about how what your be? Did you ever talk to your parents about because as a parent, when your kids are going through hard times, you feel responsible. You feel like, what did I do wrong? Have you ever gone to your parents and had a conversation with them about what was going on in your heart? And how your decisions, if if you felt it was because of them or because of you, have you have you had that conversation with your parents? More so now as an older adult, I have. During that time, I did not. I, I came from a split home. You know, my parents were divorced when I was five. And I remember the Amtrak train ride from Philadelphia to Virginia. You know, my mom, she fleed and left my father at a very 
you know, we were very young, my brother and I. So, um, you know, I had a very displaced relationship with my dad and I did not really grow up with him. And my mom was a single woman and she worked hard and she was really never home only because she had to be the provider. So as a young adult and a young child growing into a young adult, um, you know, me and my brother, we kind of really, my mom taught us well. We were very independent and we had my grandmother, but a lot of my conversations didn't go to them. We went to, you know, girlfriends or um, other mothers of my girlfriends that were there, you know, because my mom was a working mom, which I highly respected. So, you know, it was those conversations I didn't get when I was growing up. But now, obviously, it's a lot different now, but during that time. So a lot of my uh, a lot of what I endured on my own, it was just through my own experiences and learning on my own and kind of just realizing, oh my goodness, this is not good, this is not bad. And just kind of finding my own way in life as a, as a young lady. Yeah. And you know, the reason why I'm asking these questions is because we do have millennials and younger people who are going to be listening to this. And I, I just want them to realize the importance of, we always talk about having a decision board. You know, you yeah. look back at, you know, who you were then compared to who you are now. Who's on your decision board? Who are the people? Because your peers can't be your decision board because they're in the same place you are. And so what would you say to a young 20 year old or, you know, even a 30 year old in this day and age about people in your life that help you make decisions? That's for me, I've learned to really honor uh, those that have been through life experiences a lot longer mm-hmm. than yourself and um, never lose the desire to be taught. You know, uh, when you're mm-hmm. it's one thing when you're a young adult, but it's nothing when you're an older woman in your 30s and you're having to have to be taught how to walk like a woman, how to, you know, be a woman of God. You know, I didn't learn how to be a woman of God when I was, you know, a, a young adult. I had to learn when I submitted myself to Christ in my early 30s. You know, so there was a lot of things I had to learn over again that I did not take the opportunity to learn with the people that were there. Um, and I believe, too, a lot of times with, and I can speak for myself, but coming from a pastoral home, we were under a lot of strict fundamental rules um, in, with the Bible. And I hated it. I said the first chance, matter of fact, I remember, and you know, I, I'll tell my father this today when my mom left my dad, it was, I felt free. I felt like, Oh my God, I can, I don't have to, you know, wear long skirts. I can wear shorts. I can play outside. There was a lot of, we, we lived under a fundamental list uh, household with the Bible. And my, my father did the best that he could and for what he knew. Um, but it was just, there was no freedom there. So, the first chance I got to get away from that, you know, I didn't want to hear about anyone telling me what to do because we are, had already came from a very controlled environment. So at that point in time, I wasn't open to being anyone's student. I wanted to control my own life, my own self, and not have God in the center of that or getting in the way of what I wanted to do. So because of that, it took me away from the areas that I could learn more from people who were in place, like my grandmother or my aunts or my uncles, and even my mom for that matter, who could have, you know, who were there to pour into me and make me a better person. So it, it really brought about a, a rebelliousness to some degree mm-hmm. because I didn't submit to that. So Edmund, was your background and your experience similar to Iris's? You know, you said both of you guys grew up the son and daughter of uh, pastors and in the ministry. Oh no, um, I, my mom and my mother and my father um, are have always been married, never been divorced, neither one of them. And so I had the privilege of growing up with my mother and my father. We had a very loving, um, very loving childhood. 
that, that I can remember. And my dad, uh, he had me in church a lot, but when I became 14, I got, I received my license at the time. And, he, and that's when he gave me the freedom to choose what church I wanted to go to, if, if, if even I wanted to go to church. And I was the child that was very responsible. I was the one that would use my car and go pick up the friends to bring them to church. And so my, my childhood was much more different. I had a choice to choose Christ. And, and that's what I did. I chose Christ and Coming from that that type of environment, I also came up, my dad taught me to be the man of the house. And coming from that background where the man is the head of the household, obviously coming into this marriage, as you heard Iris earlier say, with women that's independent mm-hmm. and having, to, we clashed a lot mm-hmm. with that because my wife didn't know how to release that control Mm-hmm. to me and uh, and submit to the priest of the home. And so th- those two different upbringings often culminated to arguments in the household, mm-hmm. if, if you understand what I'm saying. Right, right. So when you when you guys were kind of fast forwarding back a little bit to the after you guys got together and got married and you said those first couple of years were, like you said, very hazardous or very right tumultuous, you know, what was it like? What was the adjustments that you guys made or some of the things that you could share that kind of brought it to a point where you guys said, we need to work on this? My wife one day, uh, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, but we we got into a really bad argument, really bad argument. I I used to go hang out at the bowling alley and sit at the bowling alley uh, instead of going to sit in, you know, uh, go, go talk to other friends and complain or I would go to the bowling alley and I would sit there till one or two o'clock in the morning. And I didn't know this till years later, but my wife said, you know, I was going to kill you that night. <laughs> okay, so was she being literal? Okay, go ahead. No, go ahead, Iris. Go ahead, fix it for him. And, I, and I'm, so, I'm totally comfortable with sharing mm. the story too, by the way. Uh, I want to say he, I want you went to play po- poker that night. No, I, I went to the bowling alley. Okay, but what, whatever it may be, I remember he. It was just a bad time for him to leave because so you know when you get into this argument and then you just decide to exit, that's like more provoking. Right. So I was livid, you know. And I and by the way, this is before Christ, so right? Okay, yeah, we were not in Christ, but I remember I packed my bags that. At night, I was done. I was so done. And I remember I turned off all the lights. I was like, I'm going to strangle this man when he walks in the door. But I'm just <laughs> so over arguing with him. Mm-hmm. And it was really, it was, re- I mean, that's where we were at. It was ugly. We were mm-hmm. there. And um, so I remember getting a call, his sister that night. And uh, she, I guess he must have called her and said, hey, we, me and ours got into a bad argument. She's, you know, she's done. I'm done. We're just done. And she made the most, uh, just, just out, just, it wasn't anything I wanted to hear. But she said, Iris, I want you to come to church with me hmm. tomorrow. And I, she said the way I responded to her, it literally rose every hair on her body. I said, I don't want your God and I don't want your church. And I just hung up in her bed. Mm-hmm. And but when she heard it, she knew she wasn't talking to Iris. I mean, I was just, you know, I was gone. Right. And I remember she called me again. I had then I had proceeded to call my mom in Virginia and we were booking my flights. I was taking the kids. I was leaving Texas. I was going back to Virginia. Uh, I had made plans to leave that next morning. And she called me again. And I think she called me 
earlier that morning, I think it was. Uh, so, the, so the night passed through. Edmund finally climbed through the window somehow or another, got back in the house. And because I had really locked the doors up, I was like, you're not getting in here. Um, and, you know, so that's where we're at. But I remember she called me again that morning and she and I think I had some time to really kind of calm down from the night before. And she said, Iris, I want to I want to invite you to come to church with me. And I just paused for a minute and I just said, OK, because I felt like at that point it could either go left or right. Right. And I'll come to church with you today. And um, I ended up getting dressed, didn't want to go, but I but I decided to go. Mm-hmm. I almost ran out of gas. I had about two pennies to my name. I got lost. I pulled over at a gas station. Every reason for me to just not even go was there. You had to go through tolls. Had to go through tolls. I had to wow. go through hell just to get there. So I, I remember pulling over at the gas station. Mind you, I didn't want to even go, but I'm going through all this stuff. And I sat there and I looked to the left and I could have went back home and I looked to the right. And I remember, I, I will and I'm excuse me, almost tearing up saying this, but I remember it's okay. A small voice and it said it said just go. Like <laughs> and I was so angry with God. I was angry with everybody. Mm-hmm. So I decided to go. And I went. And that was the day that I gave my life to Christ again. Mm-hmm. Praise God. And I, I never looked back. And and it was it was literally the day that saved my life. Mm-hmm. It was the day that saved my life. And she called me that night and she was very, after she left church, um, she was very excited and mm-hmm. she, she was so excited. And I didn't know what to think at the time. Cause I never, Iris had never mentioned church or anything of that sort. And at that time I had even up to that time, I two years into our marriage, I had never even met her father. Wow. And, um, but she was super excited and so I watched her for a couple of weeks. She Wednesday, she'll get up and she'll go to church. Sunday, she'll get up and go to church. I'm sitting back, kicking back, knocking down beers. I and mean, I wasn't going to church at the time and uh, and watching football. That's what I spent most of my time doing at the time. And she invited me to come to church. And I'm like, I don't know, man, I don't really want to go to no church right now. And with her excitement, mm. you know, was what got me intrigued. That's what intrigued me, had excitement for this church. And um, so I decided to go one Sunday and I was sitting in service and it was a small church. I I don't think at the time it had more than um, 15 people at the time. (laughs) And it was Bishop Sean Gray, who's our bishop and overseer right now. He was preaching. And I'm sitting back there because I've been in church all of my life. I I know the Bible front and back. And I sat there and I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, if this man is a man of God, if you reveal him to me right now, I will submit my entire life to you. And 20, I kid you not, 25 seconds probably went by. And the pastor, Bishop Sean Gray, paused like he heard something from God. He stopped in the middle of his preaching and he gave me a word that I had received when I was eight years old. And I could not believe it. Could you share and I said, God, I, I submit. And I, I dropped everything. I, I stopped drinking. I stopped, um, I, 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 I stopped doing ungodly things that I was doing. And I submitted myself and we both um, yeah. submit our lives back to Christ. We, it wasn't easy um, 
we had to go through a lot of intense therapy. Uh, the therapy was intense. We had to come to some realizations. We had to make some confessions. We had to <laughs> repent. I had to go to my parents and admit to them what I had done and how I manipulated them and how and I had to ask for her forgiveness. Iris and I had to ask for forgiveness for each other for getting married with the wrong motives and not going to God with uh, with our personal issues and not asking God, hey, God, is this man right? Yeah. You know, so we were operating under his permissive will to now be in his sovereign will. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I want to ask you, what was that word that he shared with you? And before you actually answer that, we want to take a quick break right, right now because I'm interested to hear the word too, because this is something that I think is going to change and help people grow. Can you stand by for that? Answer. Gil and Renee Beaver's over 30 yes. year relationship is the genesis for the Rich Relationship Podcast, which is designed to power individual tools, principles, and the community needed to unpack ourselves, our past, and our preconceived notions associated with relationships. Let's get empty and grow together so that our lives will be filled with love and healthy, rich relationships. Now let's go into our show. So we are talking to Edmund and Iris Garcia, and it's been a, a real it's been hot. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> definitely, definitely hot. And we were just talking about some of their previous life experiences that they actually went through and and how God changed them. Yeah. And Edmund was just getting ready to share with us a word that he got when he kind of spilled the tea. But that he rededicated his life to Christ. If you don't mind sharing that with us, Edmund. Yes. When I was eight years old, I was serving in. Gideon Christian Fellowship in New Orleans, Louisiana, under Pastor Willie Wooten. And that that Sunday morning, he called me up to the front. And we had about, about maybe 300, 350 members that were going there, going to serve each service. And he called me up front and he said to me, at, and I remember like it was yesterday, he said, son, God had called you to be a, a pastor, a priest. He said, and you will never fit in. You will try. You will try very hard to try to fit in with various groups, but you'll never fit in because God had made you a peculiar individual. You have been cut out and destined to lead others uh, to, the, to the body of Christ. And I remember thinking, man, why would Pastor Wooten tell me something like that? Does he hate me? Why, why can't I fit in? And I remember that was my, my thought at the time. Does he hate me? Why would he tell me that I would never fit in? I would like to have friends, you know, and I would like to, you know, fit in. I would like to lead people, but, you know, I don't want to be the oddball. I remember feeling that way. And I came home and my dad talked to me about the call of being a pastor and made sure I understood what Pastor Wooten had said to me. So as I'm sitting, uh, fast forward 20 plus years, as I'm sitting in Greater Works Ministries, the pastor said, you received this word once before. He just stopped and he said, the Lord told me to tell you this. And you received this word. And he said, when you were when you were a child, a man of God had given you this word that you had, are a peculiar person. Until this day, you have still not been able to fit in. And that's because God had made you a peculiar individual. Man, you, man of God, you have called to be a pastor. You are called to be a pastor. And I will be the one that will pour oil on you and anoint you as pastor. And when he said that to me, the hairs on the back of my neck Ooh. stood up. And I I had challenged God and lost, hmm. you know, and 
I and I submitted myself. I never strayed away. I've never left the church. I've always been there through thick and thin. When I made this promise to God that I would never leave him and that I was going to submit myself to him, I've never not once looked back after doing this. Everything stopped cold turkey. <laughs> and, you know, and that's and amazing. It, it, it's just, I mean, the that, friends that we were so-called hanging out with every Saturday and Sunday, they immediately left us. You know, they, they're the people that we thought were our friends, we, the people we thought that were going to follow us into ministry and follow us into immediately left us. You know, and we've been walking this path and it's not one thing we, we regret about this. The best decision that we made. That's been an amazing, you know, reaccount of your whole experience. You know, you, you mentioned, you know, after coming into the ministry, how did that transform your relationship with Iris and get you on that road to healing towards your relationship as a husband and wife? Well, the thing was, it was a lot of renouncing of pride. Mm-hmm. You know, we had to renounce pride in our in the midst of our relationship, and we had to admit that we that we had to repent. And once we repented and admitted to uh, to ourselves and to God that our motives were were wrong, then we were able to begin to build something new, something fresh, a new foundation. It it it, it did not come out, come without um, any. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Conflict. It did not come with any opposition. It came with a lot of opposition. But my wife and I had, it was up to us to learn to communicate, express ourselves without interjections and without um, having pride come rise up in us. It it took a lot of humility. And to this day, it's been 14 years. And each and every day, we have to renounce pride in some way, shape or form so that we can be better than we were just yesterday. You know, so this this marriage is constant work. It's constant submission. It's constant compromise. It's constant repentance. It's constant uh, it's constant humility. And uh, and without any of that, you, you can't say that you love each other. Mm-hmm. If you can't renounce, if you cannot compromise, if you cannot renounce pride, if you cannot repent, you can't possibly say you love you love this individual. You can't mm-hmm. do any of those things. Mm-hmm. So it was constant work, and it still is work. I don't want anyone. We never have arguments or disagreement to this day. What I can say to each and every listener out there that each argument is less and less and less when we apply these these techniques and these principles into our marriage. It Everything is shorter and love is more everlasting. And you know, I, I, can I just say- Oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, cool, go Absolutely. Um, I, you know, for me, I as a woman, I had to go back and forgive that girl I was when I met my husband. Yes. A lot of times we don't realize God will take us back so that we can, you know, get a clearer picture as to how we got to where we were at. And I had to apologize and even repent for my motives and my intentions as a young girl at that time when I met Edmund. You know, so repentance isn't just for the current day. It's as well, God will take you back so mm-hmm. you can see where there's some crooked roads that need to be made straight. Right. You know, I had to repent for my uh, motives and my actions during from the time that they were unpure, mm-hmm. even when I met Edmund, mm-hmm. you know, I was a single mom coming into uh, a, an amazing relationship with uh, Edmund. And I had a lot of insecurities. I, I didn't know if he was going to accept me because I had a child. You know, I had a past of, you know, with divorce. I had a lot of insecurities. And I know a lot of women today, they deal with that. They don't feel like they're ever going to find their Boaz because they've been married before or they have more than one or two children or whatever it may be. Or they may be dealing with something physically, whatever it is. Is, you know, I'm just I'm just here to proclaim God is is a is a redeemer. Yes. So you know, those past 
mistakes that you made right. prior to even being in Christ, you know, his, he really has redeemed us. So, mm-hmm. but these were things that I struggled with before I actually said yes and got married. You know, I didn't know if I was going to be accepted and I had to go back and forgive that, that young girl who I was and repent for a lot of the things that I had in my heart during that time. Mm-hmm. And it was just really a release when I did that as a woman. And I would recommend that for men too. So. Right. That is so beautiful. And it's so important that we unfold our stories to people so that they can really appreciate our present. Because, you know, people only see where you are. They don't know what you've gone through. So share with our community some of the things at, that as being believers in Christ and being in ministry and being a married couple that you guys find joy and pleasure in. You guys can both share something that would be a takeaway for a couple if they hear it. Because so many times people think that being a Christian means that all we do is go to church and pray and speak in tongues. And and there's so much more to this abundant life than just those things. So just share, um, Edmund, you share something. And then Iris, you should share something as well, please. We, we really like, I, I know personally, I love to help people not make the same mistakes that uh, Iris and I made in our marriage. If we can help somebody avoid those, those same pitfalls, uh, I think we, we 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 can accomplish our jobs if we can help somebody avoid these same pitfalls. We never want to depict to people that our marriage is sparkling clean. There's no blemish there. We the purpose of even us coming on uh, on the show, we just want to we want the realness of marriage to be put out there. Right. We want people to know that it actually is a lot of work. You know. But when you love somebody, you're willing to put in that work. You're willing to, you know, to spend that extra time to listen, to view it from another person's perspective, from your spouse's perspective. And if we can help somebody else experience the joy of God in their marriage, then we've done our job. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Also, one thing I, I well, I have several, but I'm not. I'm not okay. <laughs> but okay. I would just say. You know, I would say there's two things that come to mind when you ask that question, Renee. Um, one is making sure that you, you know, you don't want to get lost as a woman mm-hmm. in your marriage. I got lost in my marriage and I forgot who I was. And so there was like an identity crisis I ended up having. Mm-hmm. And I had to find out that my relationship with God needed to be revamped. I had to have a, you know, yeah, I had to have a personal relationship with him to understand his love for me in order for me to even display his love to my husband. Mm-hmm. So I had to like, I had to rededicate myself back into my relationship with God. And so I always tell women who get lost in their marriages, you know, you have to have a personal, it's important that you're, you have a personal right. relationship with God. You can't go, you can't hide underneath your uh, husband's anointing. You right. know, mm-hmm. you have to be able, you know, because one day we stand in front of him, it's not going to be you and your husband, it's going you. Mm-hmm. So you have to have your personal relationship. And then another thing I would say too is um, facing your truths, you know, being okay to look in your mirror and say, you know what, you don't have it all together. You are broken and God called you to be made whole and he does have joy for you and joy is your portion and he wants you to be fulfilled. So these are things I really encourage other women to um, uh, explore and understand as they're either preparing for Boaz or if they are with their husband and they're having um, some difficulties in understanding as well, too, that submission doesn't mean to be controlled. Submission means to uh, to lift up. It means to lift up the man of God and uh, support 
And that's the strength that God has given us as women. And once we understand that position, it's just a beautiful flow when the two can work together as one. You know, Evan, one of the things I always like to asking is, especially us as men, this is something that we have to start thinking about. You, you said work on your marriage. Marriage is work. You know, what is some advice that you can give to that young man that is starting on this journey? And even though it's not us anymore and we've got some years under our belt, what is a, a couple of things that you can advise a young man going into this journey to think about? I would say compromise, uh, not being so headstrong, but to uh, constantly be able to see it, see from different perspectives. Always pray and ask God, guidance from God. When I was a young man uh, in this marriage, I didn't always pray with decisions that I had to make. So I made a lot of mistakes. You know, I got us in financial binds. I, I, I probably probably took meals off the tables by some mistakes that I've made. And so a lot of uh, a, a, a great prayer life, not only um, by yourself, but a great prayer life with your spouse would definitely help. And you definitely want to be able to compromise, but also be able to lead as God would has us as men lead our family. As we come into the end of the show, this has been one of the fastest hours that we have had talking to any of the couples that we've had. And it's been amazing. So if people want to get in touch with you and hear more, what is some of the uh, your contact information that you you guys can share? We can be reached at www.greatworks.net. Our ministry phone number is on there. Usually it is Iris or I picking up the phone. So we're pretty accessible to the public on there. So we, we, we're we always in serve any way, shape we can. And a good contact number too is uh, 832-390-4631 is the direct line to the ministry. And, you know, we, we're just, we're just servants of God and we're here to help God's people stay on one accord ourselves. Well, as we are like wrapping up, what would be something that you guys as a couple would say that you would share as a nugget, something, a takeaway that a couple could actually physically do to improve their relationship with God in their marriage. One of the things that Iris does, Iris, that most people probably don't know, we, we're we we're constantly in counseling. Uh, we check in and, and it's not, it doesn't mean that there's anything going on. It doesn't mean just because we, we share some things with our pastor, doesn't mean anything's going on. We're always looking to see how we can fine tune our marriage. Wonderful. You know, how we can continuously be better because we understand that a lot of people are watching us, you know, privately, privately and publicly. There's always eyes on our marriage. And so Iris and I, we're constantly working on our marriage. We work very, very hard on our marriage. What people see today is nothing like what they would have seen 12 years ago yeah. on a And so we're constantly fine tuning our marriage. We, whenever we get a chance to get away, we get away. We have four beautiful girls. And so it's, you know, you can imagine quality time is very important to us. And so anytime ours and I can get away to be able to enrich our, our marriage, we're doing it. We're, we're definitely doing it. And we're all we're open book when we're talking to our parents and our parents and our uh, our overseer. We're open book. And so you can't gain wisdom 
if you're a closed book. Okay. Wow. Okay. Did you want to add anything to that, Iris? Oh my goodness, I think he covered he it. He covered it. Yeah, this has been an awesome show and we, we really, really appreciate you guys investing in the rich relationship community, not only with the, the book project, but just the interview and opening up your lives to share some of the experiences, you know, even things that are real. And that's what this show is all about. And Edmund, you mentioned it. We want people to see the realness of marriage. Right. So we really, really appreciate you guys again. And just remember, we are stronger together. Let's go. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your investment in time. Remember to subscribe to the show and hit the notification icon to be notified when new episodes are posted on the podcast platform that you're listening from. Or you can always find us on our website at richrelationshipsus.com or our YouTube channel, Rich Relationships with Gil Renee. If you found this podcast helpful or you think it could help someone that you know and care about, please pass it along and share it with them. And also you can always send your questions and comments to richrelationships.us at gmail.com. This is a weekly podcast and the new episodes are going to be posted on Monday by 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Remember, we're stronger together. Let's grow.